know, people really focusing on physical health during these times. But, but how many know your mental health is, is just as important as your physical health? And if you're mentally not well, um, it's going to impact your physical body as well. And one of the things that really impacts people mentally is, um, is uh, isolation and not being around other people. You know, I mean, when, when you're isolated, man, the enemy, that's, that's one of the places where he does some of his best work. So this is where I should have dismissed the kids, right? Little people, you get to go to the back and be with Teresa. Amen. Sorry. I just kind of rolled right into that. Uh, everybody turn to Romans chapter 12, please. And, um, but so anyway, so we're, we're kind of making that transition as a church, and we're going to start moving towards some more fellowship and spending some time around each other because we need each other, man. And I'll also say this, too. I think it's really important time to not demonize the, the parts of the body of Christ that, that you don't necessarily agree with doctrinally. Um, you know, I think there was a time for, there really was never a time for it, but um, a time for, you know, infighting and squabbling. Do we baptize in the name of Jesus? Do we baptize in the name of Jesus, the Father and the Son? You know, what's your end time theology, blah, blah, blah. Folks, we as believers need each other right now. Can I get an amen? The Baptist, the Methodist, the non-denominational, the Pentecostal, whatever you want to say it, we need to unite because uh, darkness is united. <laughs> it's kind of astonishing like how well they are united. That's one of the things that just amazes me. But, uh, but it's time for the church to unite. And uh, we, we may not unite perfectly doctrinally, but we can unite around the fact that we're believers and we believe in Jesus. Can I get an amen? So it's really, it's not a time to be debating doctrine and fighting and all of these things. It's really a time for some unity to happen in the body of Christ. You know, we, we had the pleasure of going to Wilmore. Yeah. Do you want to say something about that? Yeah, please. We, um, I'll come up here for just a second. We um, usually, we always, always, always go somewhere for fall break, okay? And we did not go anywhere for fall break this year, and we really didn't. There's a lot going on. Ethan had soccer, but we could have missed soccer and, and everything. And so we really didn't know why we were here. And, like, we were like, okay, you know, we're just going to be here for fall break. No big deal. But we felt like it was the right thing Yeah. for some reason. You know what because I'm saying? If not, I would have loved to be at the beach. I would have just gone to Every, every morning I'd be like, let's just go today. We can just go now. And he'd be like, no, you know. And so um, somebody sent Jeremiah this flyer of something going on in Wilmore. And so we were like, and there was a, um, a worship leader that we really, really enjoy and has really spoken to our lives. And he was supposed to be there, but there was no schedule. The only day we could go was Friday night. There was a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And we were like, okay, let's just go to this thing. You know, so we really. Rick, Rick Pino was the worship leader, by the way. Yeah. But we didn't know, like, if he was going to be there Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday morning. We had no idea when he was going to be there, if he was going to be there the whole time. Like I said, there was no schedule released whatsoever. And so, like, and we have been, you know, everybody's going through stuff, and everybody's dealing with their own stuff. So, I mean, and there's been, like, lately, you know, we've been asking God a lot of questions, going through some things, you know. What are we, what are we, what's next, and what are we doing, what we're supposed to be doing? And, and so we thought, okay, let's just go to this meeting. And so... We, it was a back and forth thing because we were like, well, it's just one night and it's, you know, any, anything. Anyway, so we get there. And you, and you never know what kind of preaching you're going to get. You know what I'm saying? And I didn't really want to bring my family to a place where there's going to be hellfire and brimstone and condemnation. So I knew, I, I knew Rick Pino was going to be great, but I didn't know how good the preaching was going to be. And I didn't want to put my family in an environment like that. And it was so. Jeremiah's birthday. And Friday was, yeah. was his birthday. And we were like, okay, so let's just go to this meeting. Ethan's soccer game got canceled and got rescheduled to Friday night. There was all kinds of stuff going on. So we were going to have to miss his soccer game. It was like regional finals. But we really felt like we were supposed to go to this meeting. So we pack all the kids up except for Ethan and um, go to Wilmore. Now, Jeremiah and I lived in Wilmore um, for... I don't know how long, a couple years, when I actually had Ethan, we lived in Wilmore, okay? Uh, we, we were helping with the church down there. and it's when we first got started in ministry, and, uh, the very first So started. And we have not been there in years and years. So we, we drive into Wilmore, and it's like a blast from the past. Because you know how when you go somewhere and you spend time, it kind of like brings back stuff that you forgot about. Yeah. Brings back so, it brought back so many memories of not, of the stuff that we were going through, 
this, how faithful God was. Like that was what was the biggest thing for me. As we're driving through this town, we passed the house we live in when we brought home this first little baby of ours and we had no money. Like when I say no money, I'm talking about <laughs> no money. <laughs> and I mean, we, um, hey, we me, didn't me, have anywhere me, to park. Let me, let me elaborate on that a little no, bit. No, I was going to elaborate on oh, that. Okay, go ahead. So, we, so we, we, we find out where the meeting is. We drive down and we park in front of this dollar store. Well, and I forget about stuff like this. We park in front of this dollar store. Now, this dollar store is where we would buy groceries. We would have $10 for the week. On a good week. On a good week. On a good week. And we would walk into that dollar store thinking, God, we got this $10. And feed us. you have to feed us for the week. Yeah. And so, like, and I forgot about all that stuff. And that was a hard time in our life, but I feel like it's an important thing to remember where you came from. It's good. And it was like it brought back where we came from and all how far we've gone and you know, like and then like places we would walk and the things that we would do and like, you know, it was just it was just that in and of itself. I thought this is why God brought us here. Like that's the whole time I'm thinking, I don't know what the meeting has to do. He just wanted us to come to Wilmore. Because that's so where we parked. We parked right next to that dollar store. And during that period of our t- our life, like we had no no paycheck. We were in full-time ministry, just believing God for about two years. And so uh, we ate anything that we could eat, and we just trusted God. And it was a challenging time in our life. drove by where the church used to be that we, that we ministered at. I mean, like, so I just thought, that's it. God And there was a us. rainbow that yes. night on the way there and beautiful and, sunset. It was just really cool. So I just thought, in my mind, I thought, okay, I don't know. We, we're going to go to this meeting, but, like, I don't even think that God even cares if we go to the meeting. He just wanted to bring us to Wilmore because we're never going to go to Wilmore unless God, you know, wanted us to go there to bring back all these memories, all the faithfulness, just to show us how far we've come. Because sometimes when you're going through a battle currently, you can forget how far you've come. Yeah. You can forget how God has brought you so, right. so far and as you're in your little pity party for today. You know what I'm saying? And so, you know, we walk into the church and um, it's, it's, it's an old school pews, yeah. stained glass windows. We thought, here we are. Let's do this thing. I got the stroller. I got, you know, Eli. And so we sit down and there's worship going, not Rick Pino. It's worship going on and we're worshiping and it's kind of, the, the atmosphere is kind of weird. I mean, I'm just going to be honest Religious. with you. And so I thought, and, and, and so I'm worshiping, and I'm just thinking to myself, thank you, God, for bringing us to Wilmore, to bring back all those things. So then we sit there, and we're worshiping us like that. All of a sudden, one? go ahead. <laughs> but it's multi-denominational. Yes. Like, it's all denominations. Not, you know, some, some, most people weren't lifting their hands. You know, there's like three or four of us that were lifting our hands. But my point is, is like, it was a place of unity for the body of Christ. And we were all hungry, and we all know that we need God to turn our country around and to fix everything. You know what I'm saying? And so that was that was the the environment that we were in. So then Sorry. we we're, we're worshiping, and then it, the worship seems like it's over, and we all sit down, and um, they uh, announce the, the speaker or what, like the pastor that's over the whole not the speaker, but the pastor that was over the whole event. And he gets up and he speaks for a little bit, and then he was like, "Okay, let's stand up and worship again." And we were like, "Okay, awesome." You know, I would rather worship at that point anyways, you know what I'm saying? And so we all stand up and worship, out walks Rick Pino. We're like, yes. <laughs> and so we see him come and sit on the front row. He's not worshiping yet. He's just sitting tall. on the front row. <laughs> he's like, and um, he's so and uh, <laughs> Looks just like Jack Black. <laughs> yes. And so, um, so he Sorry. comes out, he's sitting on the front row. He's not worshiping. He's just sitting on the front row. And I was like, oh, well, God, I hope I let him worship tonight. <laughs> you know, and so, so then he gets up there. They announce him. He gets up there and he was like, okay, guys. And this is what he said, you know, I don't know if you know, if you've ever heard him speak or talk or whatever, but he's very to the point. There's no showmanship. He was like, okay, guys. He was like, a couple months ago, God spoke to me, told me that something great's getting ready to happen in Kentucky. He said, I don't know what it is. He said, but I told my team, if I ever have an opportunity to worship, I need to worship over Kentucky. So move, if anybody asks me to come to Kentucky, move that to the top of my schedule and I'll be there. He said, so this guy, the guy speaker, asked me to come and, um, Worship with him, he said, and so I moved it to the top of my schedule. He said, I'm here for one night tonight. He said, I flew in by myself. He said, I'm here to worship over Kentucky. So we were like, yeah. You know, at that point, I'm like, yeah. You know? And so then he comes in. He worships. He does um, two songs, and then the third song comes, and he said, this is for somebody. He said, this song is for somebody. And he sings a song that God spoke to Jeremiah and I years and years and years ago when we first moved to Wilmore. <laughs> 
and he sings it. And he, we're like, that was definitely for us. And so then, then, you know, I'm dealing with the little kids and, you know, we're crying at this point because God sent us there for many, many reasons. So then Ethan has, Eli has to go to the bathroom. <laughs> so I'm like, let's go to the bathroom. So we go out in the hallway and this lady like basically runs me down in the hallway and she's like, I don't, you know, you don't know me, but I know your husband through, fa- you know, through Facebook. And when you got out of the, um, when, when Rick Pino said, this song is for somebody, he said, God spoke you and Jeremiah's name to me. And this, this song is for you. And I was like, and I was crying. I was like, oh, we already know. And, you know, and everything. And she said, but I didn't know how I was going to tell you. She said, and then as soon as I looked over at you, you're taking your little one to the bathroom. She said, so I ran you down. And I was like, thank you. know." And so it, and so it was awesome. And Rick Pino sang that third song, which was for us, left. Got back on the plane and flew home. <laughs> I'm just telling you right now, he sang three songs, and it was amazing and it was awesome. But like what I'm, what Jeremiah is saying is, first of all, all of us coming together as a, as a body of Christ. There was people there from everywhere, people of every culture, every denomination. He said, and God spoke to I'm sure lots of people there, but He definitely spoke to us. And I think it's really important to remember where you came from because you can lose sight of that. You can just think, oh, nothing's happening, or oh, God, what about this, or oh, what's going on here. But if you actually Remember where he brought you from. Yeah, come on. He brought us all from so, so, so much. So, so much. So good. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, she did good, didn't she? Amen. She can talk. Oh, this isn't still not going through? Okay. Um, And when Pino got up to do that song, he said, you know, sometimes, he said, you hear the word of the Lord through a sermon. He said, but you can hear the word of the Lord through a song. And he said, this is the word of the Lord for somebody. And then he sang it. And it was me. <laughs> Praise God. So anyway, it was good. And uh, tremendously just powerful and encouraging. And how many know you're going to have times in your life when God will do that? He'll just, he'll remind you of, of how far you've come, you know. And so it was just, it was wonderful. But to me, it, you know, and kind of the thing that kicked it off is just, the beauty of the body of Christ, you know, coming together. And, and, you know, people weren't like judging each other. And, you know, there were people who just sat, you know, pretty much stoic the whole time. And there were people who had their hands raised and they, there were people had flags. And, you know, and so it was like everybody came together because we all needed Jesus. And I really feel like the body of Christ is moving in that direction. And, you know, it's just time to stop fighting each other, man. Not everybody's going to understand grace. Not everybody's going to, you know, understand healing. Not everybody's going to understand, you know, divine protection. Who cares, man? We all, we need Jesus, right? And we all need to really come together and work together. So, anyway, I just kind of wanted to preface it with that, and uh, and I also want to say thank you for everyone who worked hard to get the the church and the grounds ready to have our campout conference, which we had to cancel because of the weather. But we will we will reschedule it, and we will do it again, and there's tons of kids who were super excited, and it's going to be an awesome time. But if we'd have moved forward and done it, we'd have been miserable because we've tried before. I don't know if anyone's ever tried to camp in, in adverse weather, but it's, uh, you know, it's, it's just not worth it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's not worth it. So we, I know that, see, oh, I know I did the right thing in canceling it. See, in the past, we would have, because of pride, we would have tried to faith our way through it, and, and it would have been miserable for everybody. And, and, and certainly, there's a time to faith your way through adversity, but there's, some, there's this thing called wisdom. <laughs> and wisdom be like, y'all need to do that. And we're like, okay. <laughs> you know, and it's okay. Like, we don't have to feel bad about it, and we'll just reschedule it, and it's all good. So, anyway, so just wanted to say that too. But Romans chapter 12, and uh, I will shorten my message today because of uh, the amount of time that we've taken doing everything else. But uh, I really want to start focusing on this. Um, I've actually been focusing on this with, with our, our teens as well and our young people, uh, the, the, you know, mental health. And um, I, I really feel like it's, uh, it, it's something that's extremely important in the times that we're living in. Um, how many know God wants you to have a healthy mind? And, you know, when I was in a place of worship, I started thinking about, you know, the first thing Jesus went through before the cross and how many know that, that all that he went through that night was, was a redemptive, it was redemptive, everything that he went through. He was laying himself down and paying the price for us. But, you know, before the cross, he went through mental anguish. Like, he got attacked mentally before he was attacked physically. And, uh, you know, he, he went through mental anguish, and he went through isolation during the time of mental anguish. I mean, if you look at it, I mean, nobody hung with him. 
Everybody fell asleep, you know, and, and, you know, he didn't lay it to their charge, but I, I feel like that, that sometimes when you're going through a mental, you know, mental illness or mental not well-being, how many know one of the things you feel is alone? I, I would say you never don't feel alone when you go through mental stuff. What are you talking about, Jeremiah? Because that, the mental health issue, it always isolates, always. You're not in this happy place of community and relationship when you're in that kind of dark place mentally. You're just not. Um, and, and so I feel like Jesus, he went through that for us. Like he was isolated, and he was isolated from the only people that really, not the only people, but the people that were close to him and the people that were kind of with him and on his team and on his side, those people all kind of, they weren't there. And he had to go through what he went through alone at the Garden of Gethsemane. And how many know that he was paying a price so that we don't have to go through those things and those things conquer us? I'm not saying that those things won't try to come. You know, and just like I shared here uh, two weeks ago when I was here, uh, you know, depression tried to come back on my life when I went through the whole COVID thing, you know. And, uh, you know, I got, in, in, I got so set free from depression that I forgot that I dealt with it, and God had to remind me so that I could testify about it. But I had gotten so far removed from it that I'd forgotten I'd went through it. But it was one of the greatest battles that I've ever faced in my life as a teenager and even as a young believer was that sense of just depression and despair and all of those things. And, um, and so God brought me into a place of freedom. But how many know just because that you've gained freedom in an area doesn't mean the enemy won't try to come back to that area? You have to understand, I mean, and, and I'm, not, I'm not saying that victory is not lasting because it is lasting, but, but now when I fought it, I knew how to fight it. You know, understand what I'm saying? Like, I knew what sword to sharpen. And, um, and I knew that I couldn't, you know, when that stuff's trying to come against you, you can't be passive. You can't be apathetic. you got to run towards the giant. That's the last thing you feel like doing. When you're dealing with that, what you feel like doing is just laying there and thinking, stinking thoughts. I mean, that's what, you know, when someone's physically ill, that illness is attacking their body. But when someone's dealing with mental illness, really what they're dealing with is thoughts and feelings. Thought, just crazy thoughts, crazy feelings, and isolation. And, you know, the last thing you need to do is just sit at, you know, be at home alone and just think. How many of you know you can, and here's one of the challenges, how many of you know you can pray in the Spirit and think about fried chicken at the same time? Amen. I, come on now. Hallelujah. Don't, I've done it many times. You know what I'm saying? And listen, I'm all for praying in the Spirit. Like, I, that's, you know, it's funny. I, I think to myself, sometimes I don't preach on that a lot here at the church, but it's something that's very active in my life. I do it every single day, just about. And because uh, there's so much power in it. But, but at the same time, you know, when you're, when you're fighting something like that, there's a time to definitely to pray in the Spirit, and we'll get into the details of that. But, man, you've got to open your mouth and use the sword of the Spirit. You've got to take the Word of God, and you've got to say what God has said about you. Because you, here's the thing. You can't talk and think differently than the way you're talking. You can't. You're incapable of doing that. What are you talking about, Jeremiah? Well, if you start counting one, two, three, four, five, six, or, you know, when you're speaking, that's, that's, it's, it's consuming your thoughts. I can pray in the Spirit and think about something else, but I can't talk and think about something else. It's very difficult to do that, you know? Um, and so when you're, when you're releasing the sword of the Spirit on who you are in Christ, and you're taking that sword and you're chopping through that depression, and you're running it out of your house and out of your mind and out of your life, it's an active thing. Like, we, we got to stand up and, and gird up our loins and get ready for battle. Because how many know the battle is right here? Battle's not out here. See, there's so many crazy things going on in the world. I don't have control of those crazy things. I have my part that I play. I know what I do and what I have a right to do and what I pray about. But at the end of the day, I've got to, I've got to take care of my heart and my mind. You know, I know that when me as a father and as a, as a husband and as a leader in my home, when I'm, when I'm messed up, like emotionally and mentally, when I'm going through something, it trickles down on everybody. Everybody feels it. Now, if I can get myself together, it's a lot easier for everybody else to get themselves together. You know, whoever's in that position of leadership, they're going to have impact on everybody else. How many old kids can pick up emotions? 
Kids can pick up feelings, right? And so if I can take care of me, then I'm going to be a whole lot better at taking care of you and helping you. Can I get an amen? That's why on the plane, you know, it tells you, you know, if they're dealing with low oxygen, that little mask comes out. Don't put that mask on your kids. Put that mask on you. Because you can't help your kids if you can't breathe. You breathe first so that you can help them. Are y'all tracking me here? I mean, you can't help nobody if you're drowning. You got to not, you know, you, and so I say all that to say this, your mental health is, is important for you, and it's also important for the people around you. How many of it's important to your church? It's important to the body of Christ. It's important to everybody you meet. If you are mentally sound, you're going to more effectively reflect Jesus into the earth. And, and there are so many things that are happening right now that are attacking our mental health. Um, and, you know, and I know mental health is not like a word that's in the Bible, but there's tons of mental health in the Bible. I mean, even though it doesn't literally say mental health. The Bible is going to talk about your mind. The Bible is going to talk about your soul. Your spirit, soul, and body, your soul's your mind, and your will and emotions. We'll, we'll take a look at that once we get moved forward. But your mental health is going to impact everything. Amen? And, and, and so we want to have healthy minds. Amen? We don't want our minds filled with the garbage of this world where we stay angry and depressed and sad and, and hopeless. Because I don't, if you watch what's going on at all, you can tell there are things that are being orchestrated together to try to destroy us. <laughs> like you can watch it happening. Like there's all these dominoes that are just falling worldwide. And, um, you know, it's an attempt. It's the enemy, and it's an attempt to destroy us. And see, now, you know, we're in this world, but we're not of this world. But while we're down here, we got to fight for what's right. Amen. We got to take a stand. We're the salt. We're the light. We take a stand. Now, when we get out of here, they can have it <laughs> for a season, you know, and then we'll come back and we'll take over. But um, while while we're here, we have to take, we take a stand. And so, um, and, and, you know, and so anyway. So Romans chapter 12, and, and I'll tell you, you know, I had a season where my end times stuff was kind of fluctuating a little bit. Like, ah, do I believe this? Ah, do I believe this? Ah, do I believe this? Well, I'm, I'm settled. Jesus is coming back. I mean, everything's playing together, and, and that, that's where I'm at. That's what I believe now. And I had a period of time where I was like, ah, nah, but now I'm just like, no, nah, it's, it's, it's clear as day, you know? You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's clear as day. I mean, it's all this whole thing's coming together, you know? And so it's the end times, and we got to take our stand and do our part. Amen? And then we get out of here, right? And so, but while we're here, let's get as many people saved as we can. Amen? And let's help as many people as we can. Let's love as many people as we can. You know, I was thinking the other day, how rare is agape love flowing through human in the earth? It's so rare. It doesn't happen that much. Really? It, it just, you know, I'm talking about real agape love. I'm talking about that love that's from God. Like, it's, it's, it's rare. Because it's never happening in the world, ever. Because they can't agape love. They can be kind and they can do different stuff, but they can't love the way God loves. They, they don't, they're spiritually dead. It, and it rarely happens in the church. I mean, Really? I mean, I know that it happens occasionally through me, <laughs> but I don't live there. I mean, I don't. I mean, I, I mean, you know, I mean, I love it when it's happening. Like, I feel great and it's amazing. But, but periodically, how I many you know we all just get selfish, and and get, you know, I mean, I'm just being honest with you, you know, just like, but like when it when it happens, like, oh, it's so powerful when it happens because people see God when it, when it, when when the unconditional love's falling through somebody. I don't care what they look like. I don't care what's going on. When you see unconditional love through somebody, they are shaking the world that they're living in. Oh, God, I want that so bad. Whew. I want that so bad because it's the light. Without it, we don't have anything. Amen. And a big part of why we are hearing the gospel and understanding the gospel is so that we can understand how much God loves us so that we can love each other and the world with that love. That's, the, that's real warfare, man. Being mad and yelling ain't getting the job done, man. And I understand. I've been mad and yelled, you know. 
But it's love that has power. It's love that, that makes a difference. It's love that's going to change things. Amen? And I'm not talking about that weird New Age crap that they're calling love. And I know and the, 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 all that just crap. Like, it's awful. Because what it does is we all, we all know that it's dumb. But then what happens is, <clears throat> is it tries to rob the concept of love from the church. What are you talking about, Jeremiah? Well, people are like, well, you know, how many know what the world calls love is not what God calls love? How many know God's love says right's right and wrong is wrong? God's, God's love says, no, that's not okay. <clears throat> Can I get an amen? <clears throat> and so we have a God that's love, but he loves you enough to tell you you're wrong. Can I get an amen? God has corrected me my whole life. And I'm grateful for it. You know what it means? It means I'm being fathered. Amen. With no correction, you're a bastard. And everyone partakes of that. Yes. Yeah. No, totally. You're totally right. Because one of the things the enemy's done is he's tried to throw this humanistic twist on this concept of inclusion and love. And, and basically what it says is everything's okay, everything's right, except Christianity. And this is love. And these Christians, they're just full of hate because they're judging everybody. It's a, it's a trick of the enemy, man. This lie that we're all dealing with that's happening right now, this thing's been concocted for several hundred years in the pits of hell. And it's being, we're seeing it now. But I don't, I don't have to be greater than it. I don't have to be stronger than it. I don't have, all I have to do is know that my God is bigger than it, right? And, like, and I'm just going to stay in my lane. I'm just going to do my part. And that's all I can do. I can't really do anything else, you know? And that means being spirit-led and flowing with the Lord and walking in love and all these things. But what, what, the, what the world's trying to paint the church is a place of hate. And then their new age humanistic concept of love, they're trying to say that's love. That's not real love, but there is a real love. Can I get an amen? And it's what really changes things. But Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, it says, Do not be conformed to this world. Do not be conformed to this world. How many know that right now <clears throat> the world is desperately trying to conform people into a mindset? More than I've ever seen it before. Like, like the world's always been trying to conform us, you know. I was conformed at a young age by popular culture. Uh, how, what were you conformed into, Jeremiah? Well, I watched MTV. You know, I, I watched the, the rock stars and the rap stars, and I watched the actors on TV, and I thought, hmm, well, that's what it means to be a man. I'm going to do that. I'm going to be like that. I want to be a man. I want to be, be like that. So I was conformed into their image in an attempt to be accepted and to be cool and to be okay. Television helped raise me. <laughs> I mean, television helped raise all of us. <clears throat> and so... Um, there's always been a conforming, but now the conforming seems almost desperate. Like they're trying so hard to force us into a box that there's a, des there's a weird desperation that's, that's going on. And so they're trying to conform us, and in that conformity, how I many I mean, know the quickest way to motivate somebody is through fear? Really, the quickest. You scare the crap out of somebody, and they'll do whatever they, they feel like they need to do. And that's, what, that's one of the primary agents that they're conforming with is through fear. Here's the challenge. Now, fear will get you a quick result. I don't know about you guys, but I don't want my children to be scared of me. I want them to respect me. I want them to know that what I say is what I'm going to do, but I don't want them to be scared of me. But how many know that I, I could scare my children into obeying every single thing I said? But I'd have zero relationship with them. And how many know that when someone is in, in that state of fear, how many know it, it, it wears away at them? How many know fear creates mental illness? When someone's in that, and that's why there's, there's a lot of mental illness that is churned out by the church. I mean, seriously, man. I mean, you know, people so, you know, I, I've seen it so many times, and I just hate it when I see it. And I haven't seen it in a while, but, like, like you know, you get around someone, and they're afraid of you because you're a pastor. They're scared of you. And I'm thinking, you've been abused. Like, if you're scared to talk to me or to hug me or be around me, it's because someone has abused you. 
Because a true shepherd should not be feared. But yet, it's rampant in the body of Christ. People scared of their pastor. They put him on this, this platform and this pedestal. But how many know that those, it's not good for people? It wears people away. And you know who ultimately rebels against it? The young people. Because the young people are like, forget this. This is what we got to do to serve God and to go to heaven? Y'all can stay in that church. I'm going to go out here in the streets and have a good time. They're going to rebel against it. And so fear produces mental illness. And there's all this fear. Fear is a great way to control people and anger. I would say those are the two primary ways uh, to control people, anger and hatred and fear. And so this world is really trying to, to, to make us afraid and mad, right? Now, I don't want to be conformed to this world. Can I get an amen? I don't know about you guys. I don't want anybody controlling me. I don't want anything controlling me. I have developed a taste for freedom. I have, man. Like, I love freedom. I love to, I enjoy freedom, and I love to give freedom. I love to trust people. I love to, to trust people and give them freedom to be who they are. I love, I love to do it with my children. I love to do it with the people around me because our God created us with free will. Our God has given us freedom. And freedom's a powerful thing, and it's a beautiful thing because it's the way. Because without freedom, you can't live out of your heart. You cannot live out of your heart without the ability to choose. And so it, it's, it's so powerful and so wonderful. So I don't want to be controlled by fear. I don't want to be controlled by anger. I don't want to be controlled by anything. I will serve God. Amen. Because he is bigger and mightier and stronger than anything else. And he loves me. And, and so, I, so, even, so as this world tries to conform you, you, you have to allow truth to continue to keep you free, to keep you liberated. Are y'all tracking me here? Because if you're not careful, you'll end up conformed in a box. What's the, what's the world trying to do to the church? They're trying to make us angry, offended, pride-filled Christians. If we are angry... Offended and pride-filled, we can't effectively share the gospel. We just can't. We're, it, we're nullified. We're, we're, we're lame. Because I, I, I can't, in order for me to give forgiveness, I've got to enjoy the forgiveness that I have received so that I can give it to everybody else. Are you all tracking me here? So the enemy, he's not only is he trying to mess everything up, but he's trying to paralyze the church with anger and offense. I don't want to be controlled by that. How do we stay free? Truth. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I mean, you know, mind renewal, truth, and that's, that's another thing that's under attack is the Bible, is Scripture. If you see a minister belittle or attack the Bible, run. Don't listen to those people. I mean, this is not a self-help class. We're not opening the Reader's Digest. We're not opening a self-help book. I don't want a book written by people. Give me the Word of God. Yes, I know that there are mistranslations. Yes, I know you have to study the Greek. Yes, I know you have to hear it in spirit and in truth. But when it's done in spirit and in truth, it will bring life to you greater than any novel written by a man. And without truth, you're not going to be able to stay free. And without truth, you're not going to be able to be transformed. So you got to keep the truth rolling. Amen. I dare say there's very little that I've said here this morning that you did not already know. I may have said it in a different way or something like that, but most of what I said you've already known. Why do we come here to say it? Because you and I both need washed with the water of the Word because we're in a world that's dirty. You tracking me here? And if I can keep, if we keep washing ourselves with truth, we're not going to be conformed. We're not going to live angry. We're not going to live afraid. Amen. God has never called you to live scared. Man, I took, we had a real busy week, and so me and Lily spent a lot of time together. I had to watch Lily a bunch, which I'm really enjoying. And, and uh, you know, I like to take Lily out and do stuff. Like, I, I don't like to just sit at the house. Let's go to Kroger. <laughs> just walk around. 
<laughs> I'm saying just anything. Get out of the house. Go to the pet store. Whatever. People look at me like I'm crazy because I'm this guy and I got this little tiny baby. But you know, I don't care. You know, we're gonna we're gonna have fun in Kroger. You know. Anyway, so we we went in Kroger and I got her some food and stuff. We're sitting out front at the tables and we're eating. And these people came on break, and they were sitting over there. And uh, you know, um, and so they start talking, and I'm just like, whoa. Like, I guess in, in, in some level, because I am a minister, I'm, that's pretty much what I do. But, like, they were completely freaked out. They were totally afraid, and they were just scared that, like, they, you know, supply lines and, and can't buy this and can't buy that and hoarding up rice and beans and, all, you know what I'm saying? I mean, it was like that. I mean, they were wigged out. I was just like, dang, y'all. I was like, <laughs> Putting my hands over Lily's ears. Honey, don't listen to these people. I don't know what you're talking about. And they were just like freaked out and totally disrespectful. I mean, cussing and F-bomb this and that and that. I'm like, there's a baby here. I mean, not that she knows what they're talking about, but it's just like, anyway, I'm not trying to throw those people under the bus. But they've been conformed. And they're little bricks. And they're there to obey. Because they're scared. And... We serve a God that's greater than what man can mess up. You understand what I'm saying? The kingdom of God, you know, um, that's what I wanted to preach on initially was the kingdom, but God totally changed it and gave me this. We don't have to be conformed. Can I get an amen? Let's stay transformed. Let's continue to hear the truth. Let's keep fear out. Let's keep anger out. Don't live angry. Don't live afraid. Can I get an amen? What's going to do that for you? Love. God's love for you and God's love falling through you. It's going to keep you in a place of forgiving people and going to give and going to keep fear out of your life. Wherever you see fear as your motivator, you need to change it. Now listen, I know the fear of God is healthy. Please understand that. Fear of God is definitely healthy. What is the fear of God? It's it's, it's worship, it's all, it's reverence, it's a you're greater than anybody else. So, I'm not taking away from the fear of the Lord at all. It's good. It's healthy. It's clean. It's enduring. God is, God is the mightiest of them all. Amen? Um, but fear of anything else is a snare, right? And we don't, we don't want to we, we keep fear out. Now, 1 Peter chapter 4, if you guys want to turn there real quick. And I just want to start talking about this, man, because I want us to maintain our mental health in challenging times. 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 12, it says, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. Now, now what, what's he talking about here? This is, this is an important aspect of it. Has anyone been through a challenge here lately? <laughs> right? Has anyone been through a challenge right here? Now, here's the thing. Don't think it's strange. What are you talking about, Jeremiah? What is he talking about when he says that? Listen, this is really important. It's not just you. We're all going through that. It's not just you. We're all going through it. All of us are, right? See, sometimes you come to church and you can just watch somebody in church worshiping God or whatever and think, man, their life must be amazing or even perfect or whatever. And you look at their Facebook or their social media, wow, look, they just... No, 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 no. Just, we're all going through something. Don't think it's strange. It's not just you. You need to know that because if without knowing that, this is how the enemy, you're going to come and try to isolate you and tell you it's just you. That's why, he, that's why he warns him. He said, don't think it's strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. This is happening to everybody. Now, this is what we got to do. We need to talk about it. We're going to get a chance to do that when we all fellowship and come together. Talk about it. Just like Stacy when she was sharing earlier. You need to talk about it. If you don't talk about it, you pent it all up and it's just you and it. If you can just know that we love you and we believe in you and you're in a safe environment and we can talk about the things that we, we are challenged with and struggle with, can I get an amen? That's why the Bible says confess your sins to one another so that healing can happen. You know, like, we got to be able to open up and to talk. That way, there's a place of unity where 
we're transparent and we're vulnerable and we're open with these things. I str- in legalism, I struggled with that. Legalism, I was always taught to act like I was perfect. And then when I started understanding the gospel, I realized I don't got to be perfect. Jesus is perfect. I just need to be honest and genuine and, be, and just live out of my heart. And then there's so much freedom in that because when you recognize we don't all have it all together. There is not one sheep on the earth that has it all together. They all need a shepherd. They all must be told to go eat grass over here, to walk over here. You understand? They all got to be told that. We're created needing a Savior. Well, as sheep, we need each other. How many of those sheep do better when they're around other sheep? When sheep are away from all the sheep, you know what happens? The wolf gets them. <laughs> I mean, I'm just being honest. I mean, the, the predators prowl in isolation. And, and we live in a time where we can be more isolated than any time I've ever seen. You can sit with your phone and do nothing but, but scroll through social media, watch movies, read books. You can call somebody and they'll bring you food. I mean, we don't have to leave our house to do anything but use the bathroom. We, I mean, and we use the bathroom in our house, but like, we, we you know, <laughs> Jeremiah got an out house, what's he doing? Praise God. Hallelujah. <laughs> I had a time in my life when I did have an outhouse. I did. I had a, had a, had a redneck stepdad, man, and we had an outhouse, bless God. And it was awful, man. There's a reason indoor plumbing came. <laughs> you don't talk about a fear of spiders? You know, while yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil in the dark. With no phone, just a flashlight and a, you know, praise the Lord. Some of y'all don't know what I'm talking about. I've done my, I've done my outhouse time. Praise God. It's bad. <laughs> Get the breeze blowing. You know what I'm saying? Hallelujah. All right. All right. We, we, we pull, we're pulling out of that. We're pulling out of that. Come up out of there, Jeremiah. Praise God. Come back to the fields of grace. <laughs> Amen. Amen. That's right. But, you know, we have to understand that we're not alone, and other people are going through the same things that you're going through, right? And if you look at it just later in First Peter, First Peter 5, 9, it says, talking about the enemy, it says, resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Why does he keep bringing that out? Because he just wants you to know you're not alone. Because, because when you're dealing with mental challenges, they're the worst when you're isolated. But if you can just get over and just open up your heart and be like, look, man, I've been going through this. I'm, it's been a challenge. I need somebody to talk to. I need somebody who will listen to me and not judge me. You're all tracking me here. We need that from each other, you know. Um, it's very, very important. It's very healthy. You know, when I, when I, I was ministering to the kids about mental health last Wednesday, and, and, and I wanted to hear what they had to say. I said, well, what do you guys think are some things that will help, help your mental health? And one of them said, you know, being around uh, other people that are, that are positive, like a sense of community. And I thought, man, that's spot one, man. Good job. I was like, that's it right there. We, we just don't want to be isolated. You know, how, how many, when someone is a, a, a serial killer or they're a, a school shooter or something like that. What's the common denomination among all those people? Isolation. They're alone. You were not created to be alone. You were created to be with other people. You were created to have fellowship. You need fellowship. We need fellowship. We need each other. And, you know, and thank God for fellowship. Like, I have fellowship at the gym. You know, I see people at the gym. They're my gym bros. You know, hey, man, what's up, blah, 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 you know, and all that. And that's fine, too. But it ain't like spending time with you guys. Seriously, like the, when other believers are together, there's some, your tank gets there's a tank in you that gets filled up that can't be filled up any other way, amen. And so he says here, don't 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 think it's strange. Don't think now. First Peter chapter one, and we're not gonna, I'm just going to preach until the time runs out, and then we're just going to pick it up next week. But First Peter chapter one, and. Um, and in verse 13, it says, Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. What is he saying? He's saying, get your thoughts together. 
Get your thoughts together. You know, in their times, uh, you know, gird up the loins was a was a pretty common thing because, you know, they didn't have pants like us. They wore like robes and stuff like that. And if you were about to do battle, you had to gird up your loins. You had to take your robe and come it around and this way and that way so that you're, you know, you're ready and you're secure to do what you need to do. We don't really think about that now. But what he's saying is he's saying, get your thoughts together. Y'all, any of y'all had some time where your thoughts were crazy? I mean, crazy. Let, let, me, let me help you with that. Number one, every thought that comes into your mind is not your thought. You need to know that. The enemy has the ability to shoot fiery darts. The enemy has the ability to lie. The enemy has the ability to make suggestions and all of these things. So if you have found yourself in a place where, man, if people just knew what I was thinking, everybody would know I was crazy. Ever had time like that before? I'm sure we all have, right? Because you live on earth. Be at peace because, see, here's the thing. God's given you the mind of Christ. And if it doesn't line up with Scripture, it doesn't line up with the mind of Christ, you can, you can solemnly say, those thoughts are not my thoughts. I cast that thought down in Jesus' name. Can I get an amen? You have the ability to take authority over your thoughts. You, you can't just let anything drop into your thoughts. How many of you know everything's trying to get, your, get into your mind right now? What are you talking about, Jeremiah? Well, that's what, aver- that's what the billion-dollar industry of advertisement's all about. I'm trying to get into your mind. Oh, you're going to talk about this? Here, ha- have some uh, Facebook ads. <laughs> did, you me- did you mention shoes? Here, here's some shoes. Everything's trying to get into your mind because if it can get into your attention and into your mind, they can, they can, it, can change, it can change what you're actually going to do and where you're going to go and what you're, what you're going to be. And we live in an information age where everything's trying to get our attention and, and everything's trying to drop ideas into you. I mean, you know, music's the same way. I love music, you know, and, and um, you know, I'm in a place in my life where, I, I, you know, every single song I listen to doesn't have to necessarily be a Christian song. I'm okay listening to some secular music. But I also know that that secular music is not feeding me. And I also have to be careful because it's dropping concepts into me that aren't necessarily godly concepts. Just like everything I eat is not good for me. You know what I'm saying? But I'm okay with that because I periodically like to eat things that aren't good for me. You know what I'm saying? I ate ice cream last night. ate a whole roll of Ethan's Oreos the other day. Praise God. Ethan's, they're always, they're, all Oreos in the house are Ethan's Oreos. He's an Oreo man. He loves Oreo, Oreo ice cream, Oreo cookies. He loves it. I don't ever buy stuff for myself that's sweet, so I eat everybody else's. And then we actually had this conversation on the way to church this morning. Ethan was like, Dad, did you get into my chocolates last night? I was like, well, you know, I was, uh, yeah. I've not arrived in that area. I feel like I did good for a while, but it just... The other day, Stacey, I was taking Ethan, one of his friends, I was giving one of his friends a ride home, and Stacy was on the speakerphone. She called, and I answered. She said, how many of those cookies did you eat? I said, oh, hold on, hold on, let me take, I got to take this off the speaker. Yes, honey, um, all of them. <laughs> Isn't it true? <laughs> oh, I didn't eat all of them, but I ate more than I should have, praise God. Anyway, that's, that's an entirely different sermon, an entirely different time, amen. Self-control, temperance, don't be selfish, amen. I grew up the only child of my mother, so it was just me and my mom. So in our home, it was whoever got it quickest, for real. Like, it was, there was no rationing, there was no sharing, it was like, there's cookies in the house, yeah, it's whoever gets them first. That's how it was in my house. So, I mean, every once in a while, me and my mom be in the kitchen at 3 o'clock in the morning. Ah, we were both just eating cookies. <laughs> but we were, we were okay with it. We understood whoever got them first is the person that got them. Amen. That's, I'm not saying that's right, but that's the way I was raised. <laughs> but you can't do that when you have children and siblings and a family. And you get three cookies, you get three cookies, you know. But see, Ethan and his mom are so daggone temperate. These people, man. Like, <laughs> like what do we have here? What, what, what do we have here recently that we were eating at the house? I don't even know. Some cake, some birthday cake. My birthday cake. Yes. And so, like, man, this cake is good. Like, it's that bunt cake. I don't know if you've ever had it before, but it's good. And so I'm eating a piece. 
and I'm going to eat a piece, and I'm going to eat a piece. And I'm like, could y'all eat y'all's cake, please? A day go by, they won't eat their cake. I need my wife in here to validate all this and make fun of me, you know. Another day go by, their cake's still in there like, somebody eat that cake. It needs to be eaten. Would y'all please? They're like, no, we had a piece three days ago. We're fine. You know, I'm just like, oh, here she comes. <laughs> and I'm just like, the cake must be eaten. Someone's got to eat the cake. I will eat the cake. Do <laughs> you have any comments? She's right. She's right. It's your piece of cake. It's your cookies. It's your chocolate. Hey. I did. <laughs> it was a bag. It was a bag. Uh-oh. Hold on. Give her a mic. Give her a mic. <laughs> and I like Stacy, so it's safe. It's dark chocolate. Who eats that stuff? <laughs> she is. No, I didn't eat all of it. I didn't eat all of it. I had a few pieces. All right, it's sin, okay? I repent. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> I repent. Forgive me. <laughs> he that is never eaten the chocolate cast the first stone. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Lily, Lily, lift her hand up. She lifted her hand up. She was like, Lily, you've never eaten the chocolate, girl. You are innocent. <laughs> That's exactly what she did. She was like, Lily can cast a stone. Hey, man, we're all working on something, right? Praise God. I had a season where I was doing a little bit better, but... Oh, Lord, here we go. (laughs) I didn't eat them all. I didn't. Six. No, you ate you ate a half. Come on, you had a half. Oh. <laughs> he ate the icing. It's so bad. Well, all right, this concludes today. Praise God. I, I guess you should just pray for your pastor. Deliverance in Jesus' name. <laughs> Amen. I'm not even sure what we started talking about that. Why did we start talking about that? Anybody remember? Yes. Amen. <laughs> Thank you. And if you can control your thoughts, you can control your actions. <laughs> no, we, we, we had a place. Yeah, that's where we were going. You're right. Amen. Yeah. I know. It was fun, though, wasn't it? It was good. It's always fun to laugh at me, right? <laughs> yes. Jeremiah has faults. Ha, 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 That's human nature. Look at his weakness. Ha, 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 Makes me feel better about mine. <laughs> it's true. It's okay. I'm okay with it. <laughs> and That's right. That's right. That's right. Well, in the past, under legalism, I would never share any of that with you. You know what I do? I just can I'd condemn you for not having self-control. I'd be like, y'all need to have more self-control. What's wrong with y'all? No, and I made all the chocolate and the cookies. You know what I'm saying? But it don't matter because I'm hiding behind a pointed finger. You know we don't roll like that. Yes, it does. I agree. It's good. It's healthy. We need to be vulnerable. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. It's good. Excellent. Let's 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 go to that right there. What you think about, you're going to bring forth in your life. Everything's trying to flood you with suggestion and information right now, right? And so we got to be careful what goes on here. And here's the thing. You may not have control of every thought that comes into your mind. Right? How I many you know, thoughts can come and go? You know what I'm saying? In and out, in and out. It's the atmosphere is crazy. You know, how I many you know the atmosphere is crazy right now? 
And, and it just is. I mean, I'm not talking about the physical atmosphere. I'm talking about the spiritual atmosphere. But the one thing that you do have the ability to do is you, you have the ability to choose what you focus on. Amen? And, and we have to be careful um, to, to, to rein in our thoughts, to guard our thoughts. Amen? And to, um, to take control of where our mind is going and not allow... I mean, you know, there's a whole bunch of folks that are just being spoon-fed what they believe. And they're just doing whatever the masses tell them to do. How I many of oh, the masses are, they're fired up, man. And, and we, we are not those people. We want to we keep bringing in the truth, and we want to take authority over our thoughts. And so we're going to close, but I want to stay on this thing of mental health. But the two points I really want to bring home to you today is this. You need community. Amen. And we have to get control of what goes on right here. And the only and, and the and don't don't think that you can't because you can. Well, how are you gonna do it? You gotta bring the it's the word of God that's gonna help you. Like when I was coming out of depression, when that depression was trying to come on me, I went and I got my righteousness scriptures out and I just started speaking it out of my mouth. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, old things have passed away, all things have become new. Because at the end of the day, a good portion of mental illness comes from um, condemnation and depression. And, uh, you know, one of the things that, that I, I've heard someone talk about is, uh, you know, people, a lot of people that are, in men, are literally in mental illness places, they, they think that they've committed the unpardonable sin. And that's why a lot of them are there. They just snap. They feel like God hates them and God's against them and God's mad. They did some type of poll, like percentage of people that think that they've committed the unpardonable sin. I mean, the enemy does a lot of damage to people's minds through condemnation. When the reality is God's, God's not looking to condemn anybody. I mean, God's looking to save everybody through Jesus. Now, without Christ, you're abiding under condemnation because it's in the earth. But, man, the moment you step into Jesus, there's never any more condemnation for you ever again. Now, God will correct you. And he'll lovingly direct you, but he, but he never is correcting you from a place of condemning who you are because you're now in Christ, and he loves you, and he wants what's best for you. Amen? It's really, really good. And uh, for God's not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Amen? And so we're, we're just going to kind of take this journey together and going to bring forth some healing and going to you know, tap into the Scriptures and uh, I just don't want anyone to feel like they're alone, you know. And so I, uh, I'll just pose this, you know. If anyone wants prayer for this, please feel free to see, see me or see somebody else after service. If you guys are watching online and you've been struggling with mental, mental illness and depression and anxiety and all of these things, please feel free to message us. We would love to pray for you. We want to pray for people, but how many know the, the way out's here? You can pray for someone, and you can break some oppression off of them, but how many know if, if they still walk back into the same dark room in their mind, they're going to go right back to that same place? There's got to be a renovation in our minds. How many know that, that, that your, your mind can be renovated just like a house can be, your thoughts can be? Remember when I first got saved, only thing on my mind when I, when I was a heathen was, was drugs and partying and sex and just trying to have fun. But when I got saved, I got born again here, but my mind was still renovated with all that stuff. So I had to take the Word of God and let it change the way I thought so that I could have a different life. Are you all tracking me here? And so God has given us the power to put on the new man in righteousness and true holiness to renew our mind to change the way we think. Like <clears throat> what I used to think being a man, what I used to think being a man was someone who have sex with as many you know women as he could, and and uh, just you know and it just that was what a true man was. I mean, you know, now I realize being a man that has nothing at all to do with being a man. How I many you know any animal can do that? How many you know being a man is someone who's willing to, to sacrifice themselves and to lay down their life and to care for the people around them and to live for something other than themselves? That's what manhood is, and being strong and helping and protecting and serving. And, but initially, that's what I thought even after I was saved. I still thought that's what being a man was because that's what was presented to me. But how many know I had to renew my mind out of that so I could actually step into what true godly manhood actually was? Can I get an Amen. And it's the same way for mental illness. We've got to change the way we think, and we've got to renew our minds to the truth of God's Word 
so that we can get a healing. See, a lot of times, and I'm trying to, I'm closing, but I mean, you can tell when someone's, their foot's hurt. Like you can see it, or their legs hurt, or their arms hurt. But a lot of times, mental illness is something that you can't spot. How many people have killed themselves who look like they had everything together? I mean, I think Robin Williams has got to be one of the greatest examples. I mean, you look at that guy, that guy made everybody happy. But he himself was totally miserable. I mean, you know, he was ill mentally, and he needed help. You know, um, I, just, I just feel like we need, we need some help here, man. And, you know, us here and us out there and, and young people. I mean, we just had another young person commit suicide in Woodford County. It really makes me mad. Like, I don't want to see those things happen. Uh, these people, they need help. And, and so much of the time, you know, everyone's focusing on, you know, the physical health. But people's mental health is just crumbling and deteriorating. And people need a rescue, man. So let's, 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 let's go to the Lord in prayer about this. Father, I just thank you. Lord, you, you took mental pressure, anguish, depression, illness at the Garden of Gethsemane. Lord, you took that crown of thorns over your head, representing the redemption of the mind. Lord, I would just ask that you would empower us as a church, as a people, to help people that are dealing with mental illness, Lord God, to help ourselves heal through your grace and through the Word of God, and to also send out help to other people, Lord, online, uh, the young people, just anything we can. I thank you that we just don't, we stop ignoring the fact that it's happening, and we make a decision to move forward and to help people. Lord, I just thank you that you give people the courage to open up their hearts and say, hey, look, I'm struggling here. Give people the ability to open up and to talk and to not be ashamed, but to share what they're going through so they don't have to be alone. Well, we just thank you for that. I thank you that you empower us to do that. And I thank you that every weapon that the enemy's formed against people's minds will be broken and destroyed in Jesus' name. We condemn the condemner, Lord God. We declare freedom and wholeness over our family, over, over your people. Lord, we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.